the Connectionites. Uh, you really slam jammed that song. See, I found this video probably about a year ago, but it shows a story of the prodigal son, yet it incorporates a brand uh, new to us, new on the radio song. And the title of the song is Lift Your Head, Weary Sinner, and it incorporates the story of the prodigal son. Now this morning, I'm very happy for you to be here because I think that out of all the parables that Jesus talks about, the prodigal son has probably the most application broadly out of all the parables. I would find it very hard for somebody that has experienced much life at all, uh, post-20s, early adulthood, that has not had a prodigal son time happen in their life. It's very broad. It doesn't have to be a come running home, uh, the full out prodigal son like I left and I came home and I really messed up. Today we're really going gonna, gonna to dive into, into some things about the prodigal son story that you may or may not have ever heard. Wow. See, you don't come, don't come to church and turn your brain off. Come to church and dive into the scriptures. There's going to be some things, wordings that I'm going to point out today that you may have not have ever heard about the prodigal son. Not because I'm special, because I read a whole bunch of books about this. Okay? I studied. It's okay to study. Okay? It's okay to learn. I, I see posts of people on, uh, on Facebook that, that are, I, I wish I was more. And, I, and I, do, I do read, but some of you really, 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 really love to read. And it's, you know, every day, oh, I finished another book. And, you know, here I am over there going, well, I finished ten pages today. So, Today we're going to talk about come home running. If you're a member of Connection, um, you know, maybe you didn't realize, but today is the fourth Sunday. So today is the fourth Sunday, so we take the Touch Someone's Life gift money offering, and we're going to have some people come up with, with a popcorn bag and nickels and dimes. If you're not from Connection, you don't call Connection your regular, regular home. Church, don't worry about it. We're just going to take an offering, and what we do with this... Uh, we collect this money, and it goes into a popcorn bag. Why popcorn bags? Because we have several of them. Uh, if you walked in and smelled the popcorn, you know that we have several. So we're going to take this money. They're going to go out and count it, come back, and we're going to divide it up into a couple bags probably, and we're going to give it to you. You're going to go out to the community, to whoever we pick. Don't get nervous, okay? We're going to go out into the community, and you're just going to seek to meet the need of someone, and you're just going to show them of God's love. Now, this is something really cool. Uh, we've passed the $13,000 mark since we started doing this. And that's not a, wow, look at Connection and what they've done. It's see what we are doing in our community. And um, also, as they, as they come, I want to uh, go ahead and take the offering. I really want to, to share with something with you. It's very, very important. At Connection, the lead team, we have decided that this offering is for God's work. If you're sitting here and you have a water payment or something due uh, this month, and you say, you know what, $10 would really help us. I want you to hear me very clearly. Take it. That's our gift to you. That's how we're going to minister to you today. Um, take it. Don't feel the need uh, to not do that. Please, please, please. So as they go, I want to read you a story. Wow, that's nice. We're going to read a story about a story. No, I'm just going to read you the story that Jesus told. Yeah, he talks about a, uh, a lost sheep and some lost coins before this in Luke chapter 15. So if you want to go ahead and flip to uh, Luke chapter 15, I'll share with you what I shared this morning. My grandfather was a pastor and my dad was a pastor and they used to say, this was, this was the, the coolest sound in the world to hear a whole bunch of people do, do their Bibles like this and they were, looking, they were looking for Luke and they were looking for the passage. Now it's changed and I think there's no better sight than the warm glow of an iPhone lighting up somebody's face as you look for Scripture on your phone. Okay? So whatever you're using, tablet, phone, re, you know, Bible, whatever, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, and I want to read this story to you. You can follow along on the screen. Some of you may have heard this 5,000 times, and I may have over-broadcast that number, but you're very extremely silly familiar with this story. Please pay attention. The cool and awesome thing about God's Word is that it's living and it, it, can, it can use different spots and seasons in our life to teach us different things. Look, at, look with me on the screen or in your Bible. F chapter 15, starting with verse 11. So to illustrate the point further, this is going after the two stories that Jesus has already told. Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want, I want my share of your estate now. 
before you die. I'm going to tell you this again in a little bit, but if you want to see a route to a problem here, and you underline or mark in your Bible, just go ahead and circle now. Just We'll get, we'll get back to that. I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. A few days later, his youngest son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. Please remember wild living. We're going to talk about that again in a little bit. Maybe there's some different terminology that you haven't heard. Look at verse 14. About this time, his money ran out. That didn't take very long. His money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man, uh, a man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven, or heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. If you want to hear some good news for today, instead of looking at the news on TV, although it's often negative, here you go. Here's your good news of the day. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. It's going to come into play in a little bit. In verse 21, his son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer to be worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet. Kill the fatted calf, or kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. In verse 24, For this son of mine was dead and now is returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. And there's always a twist to the plot. In verse 25, Meanwhile, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. He asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you've told me. In all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now... He's found. And I know some of us have heard this story. Maybe you've even seen that video that I showed. You're very familiar with the prodigal son. Oh, the prodigal is returned. One of the coolest tattoos I've ever, I've ever seen is uh, there's a, a guy around here. He's a local coach. And he wears, he wears a wristwatch. And one time we were playing softball. And you don't play softball with a wristwatch on unless you want cut real bad. And uh, so he took his wristwatch off. And I noticed... Um, I had been in just enough seminary to realize that he had Hebrew on his hand. I had no idea what it said. <laughs> but he had Hebrew here and he had Hebrew here. And it was a really awesome, cool tattoo. And I said, hey dude, what's that mean? On the top it says prodigal in Hebrew. And on the bottom on his wrist it said returned. He said, I have a, I have a story. And that was his intro with his athletes. He's a coach around here. And if I said the school where he's at, you'd know exactly who it was. If you want to know later, if you're just that convinced, hey, I have to know who this is, just come and talk to me later, I'll tell you. But he, he uses that as, as a device to show kids that he has a story and how good God is in that story. See, we, we, we have a chance today to dive into Scripture. And we should, never, we should never be not anxious. We should always be anxious to jump in to God's Word, to see what it has. So before we go back to verse 11, I want to pray with you. Because we, we often, we hear a story and it's, we, we hear something that's just really, really familiar and we say, ah, mute, I'm just going to cruise through this one, grab some popcorn and just head out the door. Don't do that today. Listen to what God has for us. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for a living word that we have to read, to study. And God, out of this word today, we study this familiar story. But God, I just ask that you open our eyes to a different meaning. And maybe it's a different season in our life that we can apply this to. We thank you for listening and hearing us, God. In your name we pray. Amen. If you go back to verse 11 in chapter 15. 
it starts this unbelievable story. Jesus has already talked about a lost coin and a lost sheep in the first ten verses. And so we, so we see in verse 11, there's obviously people around here, and Jesus was a phenomenal storyteller. People said, maybe your grandpa or your grandma or somebody that you related to was a really good storyteller. What would you do when they finished one story? Hey, tell us another one. What was it like here? What was it like here? And Jesus, trying to get these points of these parables across, says this in verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. We are absolutely not certain if this is real. Okay? It is told, a parable is a story, could be true, could not be true, that it has a biblical under meaning. You're going to see the people in attendance and see why he probably would have used this. So he simply starts out. A man had two sons. Why would he have said sons and not daughters? Because it talks about inheritance. Daughters, I'm sorry, you're out of the loop. Why two? That'll come into play as well. Look at 12. The younger son told his father, <laughs> Oh, have you been, You've been here, haven't you? Have you been here with me in this story? He says this, look at the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate. If you underline or mark in your Bible, and you want to type out a recipe for what not to do, circle now. <laughs> the younger son told his, told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. We see a lot of things in this. But the number one thing that I saw is this. Were your parents really good at giving you just enough rope to hang yourself? Were they good at that? Do you understand where I come from? <laughs> we had the same parents. <laughs> they, they give, they, do you think your parents have ever given you something just for the sole fact that it will teach you something? Because it's not all that you think it is. God does this. Look at this. I want my share of your estate now. Before you die. Why before you die? Because I want it now and I don't want to wait. Jack said that earlier. I don't want to wait. Oh. One of the hardest things in the, in the entire world is to wait. And then to compound that issue, God doesn't just say, wait, I want you to worship me while you wait. You want to compound a hard thing by a hard thing and put them together. Worship while you wait. It's tough. And he says, I want my, I want my share now. So his father agreed. Have your parents ever given you something completely on purpose and said, okay? And they kind of had a, sn a snicker. They're like, okay. So he agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, this would, why was there two? The two made it easier. The youngest son, number one, the youngest son should have never even initiated this conversation because he's not the oldest. In biblical times, the oldest son got two-thirds. Of the inheritance. The younger son would have got one third. Okay? So not only does he get a smaller amount being the younger one, he also is completely out of pecking order. He shouldn't even be talking about this. And his, and his dad is not even dead. Okay? <laughs> my parents, fortunately, fortunately, my parents are still alive. What do you think they would say if I walked into their house and go, Hey, I'm just going to go ahead and take your house. Before you die, this is, this is completely absurd. Look at this. So, this father agreed. He's starting this conversation. Look at the arrogance that he has. Now, I want to I really, really push this issue with you. Look at your worship handout. You can look at that first blank. I love the story of the prodigal son. I know that you're going to say, Golly, he always says this. This is probably my favorite parable. It is. Because if you look at this parable, I don't think that there's another parable that describes me better than this. And maybe it describes you. But we're stuck in the younger son's mindset right here. We want what we want, and we want it now. We want, it, we want what we want when we want it. We want it right now. Maybe, maybe, maybe you get in a really rush at, at, at your work, and you ask your boss when he wants it done. And he says, yesterday. That's not okay. I can't do things yesterday. Hey, we want things instant. We live in a country where you can go through a drive-through visitation. 
We have instant coffee, and you can pull up to any restaurant this afternoon um, in Mount Vernon, and you can say, I want a number blank, and, they, and by the time you get up there, they, it'll be in a bag, and say, here you go. Some people don't go to sit-down restaurants because you don't want to wait to eat. Even if it's more expensive to go somewhere else, we want what we want, and we want it now. Maybe you don't see yourself in this story. This is just a recreation of my life. I don't think that there's a more broad, more broadly effective parable that Jesus even talks about in the New Testament. Look at verse 13. So, his dad gives him just enough rope. And then, look at this, a few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. This does not mean, necessarily, that he moved a great distance away. This, is all, this can all be a metaphor. Hey, he's just, he's moved out. Okay? I want to do what I want to do. Alright. How'd that work for you? If it's like me, it didn't at all. Okay? Distant land. And there, look at this. He wasted all his money in wild living. Now I want you to remember wild living. Okay? I want you to remember wild living. Because, because there, self-righteousness comes in and oftentimes we plug words into where they don't need to be. And it's just by assumption. And so, so please pay attention to wild living. Now in verse 14, it says, About that time his money ran out. Okay, that didn't take very long. Let's rewind. Look at 13. A few days later, okay, son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, okay, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. Then he goes to 14, and about that time his money ran out. Okay, it's like the kid had an addiction to the claw game. You ever play the claw game? You ever seen the minions? The claw. You ever see this? People. I'm going to start posting movies that you need to go watch, okay? I've watched people. Pump dollar after dollar after dollar. Now, I was an arcade kid. I liked arcades. I was just fortunately poor enough where I just couldn't spend all day there. Okay? So, I've seen kids... You know what? We don't just do it with arcade games. Sometimes we do it with cars. Sometimes we do it with whatever we want because we want it now. And we waste it and we waste it. And he says, wild living in verse 13. But about the time the money ran out, a great famine spread over the land and he began to starve. Now... I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. I've been told, I've never experienced this, that when a person, when a person experiences dehydration so bad, their tongue starts to swell in their mouth. Anybody wake up and pray for that today? No? I mean, think about this. He's doing these things, and, and it's repercussion after repercussion of what he's done, and it's leading him here. So the, the, the son wasn't responsible with his money. He had spent everything that he had, and he spent it very quickly. It, there's a number, 14, in between him having money and not having money. This was quick. Okay? It was quick. Spent all his money in while living, about that time it was gone. He'd spent everything he had, because he wanted it right now. King Solomon tells us a little bit about this in Ecclesiastes. If you know about the Old Testament at all, um, Solomon speaks of we want things we want things right now, and our life is a vapor and it's really really fast. It goes by really fast. But he also says this: he says everything is fun for a season, but then that season ends. See, so this guy's season of this spending of this stuff is over. Party time, in a sense was over. Doing what you want when you wanted it because you could, because you had the money, is now over. It's now over. So what do you have to do? Look at verse 15. He's got to get a job. So he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. Now, the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Now some of you, if we just, if we just went to a farm, some of you would be very uncomfortable around the smelly pink things with curly tails. Okay? I am from Albion. Do you know what Albion has? Pork Day. Pork Day USA, in fact. We like pigs in the form of bacon, sausage, bratwurst, pork chops, with or without the bone. I love pigs, preferably grilled. Now some of you would be really, 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 really not okay with being around these things because they smell that bad. They don't smell bad on the grill, but in this situation, they would smell 
awful. But he needed a job. Now, when you study this, this scripture, what, well, so, so some of you are saying, well, he's going to get a job. Good for him. Jesus is telling this story to Jewish people. Pigs are not okay. The Jewish people did not have Pork Day USA. They didn't have anything to do with pigs because if they touched a pig, they were considered unholy. They were an, they were an animal that they could not touch, could not eat. Often they probably didn't even look in the same direction. They were unclean. They were completely not okay. But this guy had hit the bottom of the barrel and he said, I have to have a job. Can you imagine what goes through his head? First of all, we're going to see in a little bit that he didn't come from a poor family. So the odds of him ever having done this work before, grunt work, is probably not there. Now let alone, he's completely defiled himself as a Jewish person when he's eating, or when he's, when he's trying to feed these pigs. Man. Yeah. I, told, I told someone before, before um, church started that I, had, that, I, that I was going to talk about Pokemon Go today. I thought about putting Pokemon Go only at 9 and 11 on the sign. Rare ones, come in. I didn't. I don't know if we have enough seats. I have no problem with Pokemon Go. Not one. As far as a PE teacher, exercise is good. Just don't walk in front of cars. Okay? So you see people walking around town like this. Man, just slow down. Let them walk. Okay? They're playing a game. Now, Pokemon Go, what does it have to do with anything? I've actually been researching on how we can use Pokemon Go at Connection to show people and tell people about Jesus Christ. Because you can walk around town all day and look for a Pokemon Go and a rare Pokemon and all this stuff. And sometimes you can find them. But if you intentionally seek out Christ, you will always find them. Always. He doesn't hide. And you don't have to have a whole bunch of people playing it to see Jesus. He says, you come to me. I'll show you that I'm real. So my buddy, my buddy posts this thing on Facebook. He's a local pastor. Um, and I just thought it was really funny because it had to do with pigs. And he said, on Sunday morning, I'm bringing a pig to church. And I'm like, man, where is this going? And it's like dot, dot, dot. And he had to read it really long. He said, on Sunday morning, I'm bringing a pig to church. He goes, I've been told that there are Pokemon characters at our church on this game. And he goes, so... Given the need for me to cast out Pokemon demons, I need to have something to send them into. <laughs> and if you don't know that story, Jesus sends a whole bunch of demons into pigs that run off a cliff in Mark. So it, it, it's biblical context. And some of you may not get that till after lunch, and that's completely okay. But in verse 16, the young man became so hungry. Now he's feeding these pigs. First of all, just... Imagine the smell. I live down the I did, I live down the road on North Second Street, north of my house in Albion. There was a guy that had pigs. It was great with a south wind, but when there was a north wind that blew from his house to my house, I wanted to be anywhere but my house. And they stink. These pigs are not on the grill yet. Okay. He became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him to eat. Look at this. But no one gave him anything. Often I look at this and I go, why didn't people help him? I'm thinking, what, what people? What people wouldn't? Why would you not? I think we were given an answer in verse 17. If you underline things in your Bible or highlight things on your device, you should look at the very first part of this. Now, you remember your prodigal son story, or prodigal daughter, whatever you are, okay? Prodigal daughter or son, you remember that story in, in your, that spot in your life where you said, you know what, <laughs> you ever have an aha moment? You ever, have, you ever have a moment when about 23, 24, 25 years old, you go, you come out of the house one day, or you're doing whatever you're doing, and you realize, you know what, my mom and dad actually did know what they were talking about. You ever have that epiphany? Some of you are like 16 and go, no. You will. You will. You will. Now look what he says. He finally came to his senses. I remember I was, 20, I was 23 years old. I just got out of college. I just got married. And I went home to see my mom and dad. I was completely alone by myself. There was just them, them there and me. And I walked in that door and I could barely stand up. And I fell to my knees. Not I was worshiping my mom and dad. I just said, I am desperately 
sorry for what I've done. I ran. I rebelled against you. I rebelled against God. I didn't follow your rules. I didn't follow God's rules. I had an epiphany. Okay? You're not as wrong as I thought you were. In fact, you were really, 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 really right. And I had a really hard time pronouncing this apology. You know what it sounded like? Let's see if I can do it. I did it first service. I don't know if I can do it. I said, I was wrong. I was wrong. And this this kid, when when he finally came to his senses, see, sometimes God uses our experiences to get our attention. Sometimes, metaphorically and spiritually, it feels like we get hit in the head with a spiritual shovel, doesn't it? Oh, hello. God get your attention very quickly. Now look at this. He says, excuse me. When he finally came to his senses, in verse 17, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. This guy is feeding pigs, and now, anybody ever been around a house that had a slop bucket? My grandparents never had pigs, but we had a slop bucket. I am still not sure why. So he just threw it out in the pasture. I have no idea. It, but it, I know what it is. It's the peelings off tomatoes and it's the different things you put in a bucket, you take outside, and you throw it. It's a mixture of crazy things, different things in the house. And it, it, you know, it's not spoiled yet, so it's okay. But when you let that, bu- if you set that bucket outside today, where the temperature is 798 degrees with 100,000% humidity, it doesn't become good, or it becomes bad or spoiled very, very quickly. Now you're talking about food for pigs. And this kid wants to eat it because he's so hungry. And then he has his epiphany. I'm dying of hunger. You want to know how wealthy this kid was? His dad has servants. <laughs> I don't want to get into a very... Uh, you know, a financial discussion with you, but the odds of any of us having servants isn't good. Children don't count. (laughs) That's called room and board. (laughs) Anyway. It says, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. So this kid came from money, meaning that he probably never had to do grunt work like this in his entire life. God was using this. So why didn't anybody come by and ask that question? Why didn't anybody help him? Maybe God was letting him wallow in his own stuff long enough. He say, sooner or later you're going to get it. You ever, God ever let you do that? God, when you start blaming God, why haven't you sent anybody? He goes, will you just trust me? Will you look at me alone? See, sometimes we get into, the, into, these, into these things. We, maybe we back ourselves into a corner. And we're like, God, I feel so bad. And it's a self-pity party. Remember, it's okay to go to the pity party. Know when to leave. Okay? So we're sitting in this corner, we're like, God, you're just against me and you hate me and everything like this. And he says, if will you will stop running your trap and look at me and pray to me and ask me for help, I can help you. This kid finally gets it. He goes, okay, I'm going to go home. Even the hired servants have enough food. In verse 18, look what he goes. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. If you're familiar with the term eating crow... Saying, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. These things are very difficult. But he says, Father, I have sinned. Verse 19, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He is taking his son status and he's trading it in just so he can work to have food. We're going to get to that in a little bit. In verse 20. I, I, if, you're, if you're into uh, happy, awesome feelings as we look through Scripture, and something's really difficult, and then there's a light, look. Look at 20. So he returned home to, the, to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Now, some of you are thinking this. Now, first of all, I want to ask you a question. How long of a trip was it for the son? I don't care if it's any distance at all. How he, he understood every single step that he took. He goes, I've got to go home and tell my dad that he was right. Tell him that I messed up. I squandered all the money. I don't have anything. You ever had to do that? 
Have your parents made you ever, ever apologize for doing something? I had to apologize to my dad for something that I said one time, and my mom said, you can apologize to him when he gets home. I didn't think he was ever going to get home. Because I have a really awful conscience. And sometimes that's good, but sometimes I'm like, man, and I really, really, I didn't want my dad to be mad at me. Can you imagine what was going through this guy's head? Every step he got closer, he goes, holy cow, I have no idea. His dad's powerful. He's evidently wealthy. He, can, he has some power here. So he goes, and he says his father saw him a long way off. And he started launching water balloons. No. That he started launching mortars. No. Look at this. His father saw him coming. You know the only way that his father saw him coming? He was waiting. If he was doing anything else, he wouldn't have saw him. He was at a vantage point to where he could see. He was waiting. Didn't catch the father by surprise. Remember, parents are smart, right? They give you, they give you just enough rope to get in trouble. <laughs> you say, hey, he's going to be back. He's going to come home. He's going to understand, realize. So look at this. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him. It's a Jewish customary greeting of love. Hugging, kissing. Hey, it wasn't, it, 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 don't pervert this in 2016. This was, this was a, a welcoming, I love you, I missed you, welcome home type greeting. See, God, God, is, God is like this father. He's waiting. In my life, I found it very, very difficult now to wrap my head around. I would try anything I could possibly think of rather than trust God to get out of my situation. But it wasn't until I trusted God that I got out of my situation. See, that's why I don't think anybody helped him. He ran to him. He embraced him. It is sad, but God sometimes, oftentimes, is one of the last options that we choose. So his father, father runs to him. Something happens, and I don't know what it is. It happened this morning, actually, after the 9 o'clock service, after I talked about it. So I have a five-year-old. And sometimes, if she catches me like on the floor, or I'm on one knee and I'm fixing something, or I'm doing something, and I look out of the corner of my eye, all I see is this blur. And I, and I, and I hear, that's her feet. As fast as she can across our wood floors. When I don't hear the anymore, I need to look that way because she's no longer on the floor. She's now leaped at me. You have kids like this? Some of you are like, that's like my dog. Same thing, okay? I'm like this, and I turned around this morning, and I saw her coming. And I saw her like this, and I went like this. And I had, I had time to do this. And I catch her about right here. And I said, hey, Lid, how you doing? Oh, Dad, I'm good. Something happens to us between the ages of 5 to 6 to 7 to 36. Now listen to me. We don't run to our father like that anymore. As a kid, I remember being a young Christian, man, I had no problem. The world hadn't affected me that much. I hadn't lived life. I said, God, I just want to do what you wanted me to do. Then all of a sudden, this world gets thrown into my life. And now I'm like, I'm going to try what I can do by myself before I need to trust you. You, we, we lose this complete, hopeless, uh, reckless abandon just jumping for our Heavenly Father. Lydia has absolutely no fear whatsoever jumping at me. Because I haven't let her down yet. Okay? If, she, if one time she blindsides me, it's going to be a bad day. I blow out my ACL or something. I don't know. But I haven't let her down. And as, much, as many times as I can catch my daughter... There's a possibility that I could let her down. God will never, ever let us down. To the fact so much that he says, he, it says in verse 20, he was filled with love and compassion. You think about if you and I were the father or the mother and you saw that kid coming home. I don't know what house you lived in. But you know what I'm talking about. The last thing in our mind was, ah, oh, come here. Give me a hug. Love and compassion don't exist when we're wronged that often. That's intentional. God says, I want you to come home to me. Look at verse 21. 
So his father comes running up to him. He kisses him and hugs him. And in 21 it says, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Listen, I told you. He says this to himself earlier. He says, this is what I'm going to say. I'm no longer to be worthy to call your son. I want to tell you something because some of you are going to believe a lie that Satan has told you for too long. You say, well, I'm not really worthy of God's love. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what road you've been down. I don't care what sin has come into your life or you've partaken in. None of it can stand next to the forgiving power of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. Nothing. You say, well, that's easy for you to say you're a pastor. I say this all the time, but I'm being very, very for real with you. Oh, you're a pastor. You're a good guy. You do not know me. You don't know the clauses that I had in my life. You don't know the, the addictions and, and the things that I've had in my life. You don't know. God says it doesn't matter. This is, this is the awesome part. He just says, I love you. Look at verse 22. We know how we would react. But instead the father, look at this, said to the servants, quick, bring the, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring and put it on his finger and sandal for his feet. Please look at this scripture closely. Not only does he lose all of his money, the dude's barely clothed. I'll give you my sandals for a sandwich. This is probably what he has, he has just gotten rid of everything that he could to get something. This, is, this was to show you where he is on, I want to do it myself, I want to do it myself, I want to do it. He comes home wearing barely anything. And I'm sure that walk home barefoot felt real good. Man. Verse 23, And kill the calf that we've been fattening, we must celebrate with a feast. Notice there's no, there's no judgment. None. There is no human, there is no human opinion in this. It's, hey, welcome home. And then he says, we must celebrate with feast. 24, for this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the, so the party this, this kid has squandered one-third of his father's total wealth and just comes sauntering back in, saying, Dad, I don't deserve to be back. Can I work for you? Oh, heck no. Let's throw a party. I know you and I are thinking, you're putting yourself and your parents in this story, and you're going, no party. No party. <laughs> I feel you. No party. A lot of punishment. No party. No party. A lot of grounding. No party. You're laughing because it's true. Look at verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. Meanwhile, plot twist, change. Meanwhile, dun, dun, dun. the older son. The older son represents the Pharisees in this audience that Jesus is talking to. And he slaps them in the face without them even knowing it. Look at this, what he says. The older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house. This shows us one or, one or two things. Number one. First thing I, talk, I, I talked about this morning was this. It says he heard music and dancing in the house. If you ever come over to the Griswold household and you hear music and dancing and loud voices, there is a good chance that we answer the door and we might be having a dance party in our house. Dancing around, listening to music, enjoying life. First of all, you need to understand that God gave us this life to enjoy. I had fun yesterday. Barely beat the heat. I talked to somebody about this. I got to my uncle's pool. It was like 93. I mean, I should have just taken a bath. I don't know. I had soap or whatever. But, but chlorine is like equal to soap, right? Okay, anyway. And I had fun. I, I, took, I, would, take, I would take my daughters and I would just pick them up, get out of the water, and just toss them. And you should see the, the joy. Okay? You're like, huh. When Lydia comes flying to the house and I hear, I know to turn, get ready to catch, and just boom. Daddy. Look at this. This is a celebration. Okay? Have fun with your kids and your family. Have fun. And when... And when they come home, finally, throw a party. Throw a party. 
Remember the forgiveness that God gave you in your story. See, this is so applicable to us. In verse 26, he asked one of the servants what was going on. He heard dancing. Listen, my dad doesn't dance. What's going on? Look at verse 27. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. Oh yeah, this is going to go over well. You have a sibling? This is going to go over real good, right? This is the youngest one. He's the spoiled one. He's the favorite one. The oldest son comes in from working. And now there's a party going on. Verse 28. The older brother was angry. Shocker. Shocker. And he wouldn't go in. Now what, what this Jesus is trying to tell these Pharisees, he says, you're the older brother. And you get angry. Listen. His father came and begged him. Jesus begged these people to see his point of view. Listen, he taught in front of them all the time. They said, if you just understand, but the Pharisees wouldn't not get angry because of who Jesus was forgiving. These people are awful. You cannot possibly forgive them. His father came out and begged him, but he replied in verse 29, All these years I've slayed for you. Now time out. Watch how the, watch how the self-righteous person twists words. I've slaved for you. Your dad's wealthy and you have servants. Chances are you've never touched the trash. But he's slaved, hasn't he? Oh, my life is so hard. We have servants. Seriously? Really? Your life is not that hard. He said, I've slaved for you. Look at this. I've never once refused. Your kids ever said, I've never once. How many people in here have children and and you have only told your kids to do something one time and it happens? Thank you. No one. But he's self-righteous. I'm better. I haven't ever once, not one time, have I ever not done what you asked me to do. And never one time have you even given me a young goat. Based on the first two examples, you can't possibly think that his father has never given him anything. But in his self-righteous mindset, he says, never do anything for me. We get that way, don't we? We get in the heat of the moment, we get mad, you start saying things that you don't mean. Look at the worship handout. If we only focus on the negative, we will never see the positive. Instead of complaining, we should rejoice. Instead of complaining, we should rejoice. See, the problem is with these, with these self-righteous thinkers, these Pharisee thinkers, these, this older brother thinker, is he said, there is a point that you can get away that you can't get back. That's what he's putting. He's being very legalistic. I did a wedding. Some of you are very familiar with this. We have new people at Connection all the time, so I really want you to get this. I did a wedding a couple years ago in Missouri, in the town that I graduated college from. I did the wedding. I now pronounce you husband and wife. They walked out the door. The bridesmaids, okay, all this. They're all done. They go to the receiving line. I dismiss people. I go out. There was a lady waiting for me by the back row. I was, son, I was friends with her son in college. He's a member of my fraternity. And she goes, Matt Griswold. I said, and I called her by name. And she goes, are they really married? Um, what? She said, are they really married? I said, I have no idea what you mean. We just had a ceremony and I pronounced them husband and wife. I filled out the paperwork, actually. They're married. And she goes, I know who you are. I knew who you were in college. How on earth could God possibly let you be a pastor? And are they really seriously legally married? <laughs> that wasn't the easiest thing I've ever heard in my life. And with as much love as I could muster in a suit in a church... I said, I'm not the man that God has created me to be yet. But because of Jesus, I don't have to be defined by my past. See, she was being legalistic. She was being, I know you. I know where you come from. I know what you did. This older brother does the same thing. Watch this. Look at verse 13. Or 30, I'm sorry. Yet when his son... The son of your comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. I told you to remember wild living. Never one time was prostitutes mentioned. You see, his, this older brother has not even talked to the younger brother. All he says is he says prostitutes. We don't even know that he did that. 
But when you're self-righteous and you want to be right, you will make up anything to go against that person. Look, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father looked at him and said, Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. You've always stayed by me. Jesus was telling the Pharisees, You have done a pretty good job at withholding the law and keeping it. But you have no operation in grace, mercy, and forgiveness. None. It's just all about you. In verse 31, I'm sorry, in 32, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. The Pharisees were upset that these people were being forgiven and had an opportunity to be forgiven and get to heaven. They, didn't, they, were, they were not okay with that. They weren't upholding. They didn't come to their self-righteousness. Maybe you've been holding on to something. Again, I, I want to make sure that you get this. There is nothing that is bigger than Jesus. There is no thing that you could ever do that is bigger than Jesus. There is no thing that you can think of that is bigger than what Jesus did for you. I had a great aunt that, got, that had, became a Christian, had a relationship with Jesus Christ on her deathbed. Because she, and I, I heard my dad share Jesus with her her whole life, my life, that I was alive. And he would say, listen, you need a relationship with Jesus. And she says, Jesus will never forgive me for what I've done. It wasn't a secret what she done. She had two children and she never got married. Okay, you made two mistakes. <laughs> There's nothing bigger, but in her mind, she believed the lie of Satan. God cannot forgive you. God cannot forgive you. God cannot forgive you. God cannot forgive you. Thank God that she finally listened on her deathbed. And she believed that Jesus died for her sins and she was forgiven. Maybe you have a relationship that you need to go back and muster the words, I'm sorry, or you were right. Hmm. You can choose to do this. Look at the last blank in your message, message handout, worship handout. You can choose to be bitter or better. You can be bitter. You can be like the older son come in. Listen, the older son had done what he was supposed to do. The New Testament speaks of, of, a, of a person living a Christian life, raised in a Christian home, and never rebelling and being a great life, a better life than the prodigal son life. Having a past coming back. The older brother chose bitterness. The younger brother begged for forgiveness. Maybe, maybe today you need to come home running. I want, I want, before I give out this handout, I want, I want to share something really, really special, important. If you're a member of Connection in any way, shape, or form, or you come here, you are probably in some way or manner responsible for what's getting ready to happen next month. Wow, what's happened? Okay, I'll tell you. Um, there's a group of individuals that go to this church, and they are college-age people. And next month, Connection is going to expand Connect Groups to... Bolivar, Maryville, Edwardsville, and USI. Because we have kids, listen, we have kids that have been trained and understand what it's like to be forgiven, and now they want to go. So just pray for them as they go. I'll give you some more information later. Give you some, I'll give you some addresses. You can send them stuff. I don't, I don't care. But we have people that God has literally changed their life so much they're willing to go to, across the, the ocean to share the gospel. They're willing to go to their college campus. You think about this. If you have a degree, if you were at college at all, how much would a good Bible study have helped you? It would have changed my life. That whole prodigal son thing, I might not have had to take it that long of a trip. My trip might have been shorter. We have people that are willing to do this. Maybe you need to come home today. Maybe, maybe God's saying, you know what? I've been dealing with you for a long time about this, and I've left you to yourself, and you have tried absolutely everything yourself. Will you just please trust me? You can be better or bitter. Your choice. God gave you that choice. Come home running. Man, something happens between 5 and like 10. 
Emma doesn't do that. Emma come up and hug me. She doesn't come like airborne at me. We need to run after God like that. Can you imagine just that, just that metaphorical, that story that God literally runs after him after he saw him coming towards him? He said, no, you don't have to walk this whole way. I'm going to run and meet you. Wow. He takes your bowl of stuff. God takes everything in you and you give it to God and he says, hey, I'm going to give you Jesus and we'll call it fair. This is the most absurd math problem I've ever seen in my entire life. But he wants you to be free today. He wants you to experience a life like you've never experienced before. You have a bag? Uh, again, people don't listen. This was supposed to be quarters. And stuff. I'm just kidding. $154. Uh, anyone like to give this away that has not? I give this option sometimes. Anybody want to give this away? Hmm. Come on. There you go, ma'am. Thank you. We're going to pray over this money that God uses it to impact a community, member, somebody around here. That just God shows them His love through this. Guys, thank you for being here this morning. Please understand, remember... When you turn around and walk towards God, He doesn't just say, hey, I'm I'm here. You come all the way to me. He runs to you. Maybe we need to act like a five-year-old. Just run. Just run to Him. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You so much for the story. God, I thank You. I thank You, God, that I don't have to eat with pigs anymore. And I've been there. And I know how you've forgiven me. And many people in here can share that same story. So I ask God that you just give us that opportunity this week. We do not have to be defined by our past because of Jesus. May we come home running to you. In your name we pray. Amen.